Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. Hello and welcome to Podcast 247 of Maximize Your Influence. We got listener email. We've got a ninja today. Stay tuned. Remember everything we found at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. And we're also on YouTube and Facebook at Maximize Your Influence. Thanks for your feedback, love, and support. Really appreciate that. I've been in St. Louis this week at a large unnamed pharmaceutical firm. Man, was it hot, was it muggy. Had a lot of fun, though. We had a mixed group. We were teaching how to be more influential, obviously. But the great thing was, in the same room, we had IT, customer service, sales, marketing, R&D, manufacturing. They all needed influence. And they all didn't like each other. What I mean is, sometimes IT doesn't get along with sales, and sales doesn't get along with R&D, and R&D doesn't get along with customer service. But it was great. Everyone came together, learned how to influence, and it was a big eye-opener for them. Everyone. Doesn't matter department, where you are, we all persuade and influence for livings. So it's great to be out there. Good to be back. Let's start off with our ninja. Ninja go. This one goes out to Hotels.com, probably because that's the first place that I sought. I was looking for a hotel room and uh, just browsing, clicked on a hotel and looking at it, saying, oh, this could be the one. And then it popped up on the screen, 12 people just booked this hotel. (laughs) Wow. That's a ninja for a couple reasons. Scarcity, I'm thinking, man, I better hurry, better book it. There might only be a couple left at this price. Great social validation. Other people are booking it. And I didn't think about it till later, but those 12 people aren't booking the same week that I'm booking, but they used it, social validation, scarcity, all at the same time, 10 points for them. And that also goes out to, well, all the travel sites now. I saw it first on Orbitz, though, where you're booking a plane seat, and it says three seats left at this price. You're like, whoa, scarcity, urgency. I have a feeling that the price only goes up 10 cents. I don't know that for a fact, just saying. It's a great form of scarcity. I know it works really, really well for them. Time for some listener email. Oh, boy. This is George from Chicago. Says, thanks to you. I'm maximizing my income and my success, and I'm persuading with power. Have a quick question, though. I'm running a team, and I have to deal with their individual slumps. You know, even I suffer from my own every now and then. And I haven't heard you talk about self-persuasion for a while. Any tips on self-persuasion, motivation, or getting out of a slump. Thanks much, and keep up the good work. Well, awesome, George. Thanks for the kind words. But let's tackle the slump. And I think anybody in any situation, from an entrepreneur to a salesperson to anybody, kind of gets in slumps. They lose motivation. They lose drive. That happens quite a bit, and that's something that we can tackle. I've been in a lot of different managerial positions, especially sales manager, that you have to deal with slumps. And there are a variety of things you can do. So let's go over some of those and you pick and choose what will work for you or for your team. And the first one is exercise. Well, Kurt, I don't have time to exercise, but exercise gives you more time. Like, What do you mean? Well, you live longer, you have more energy, you sleep less, you think better. There's a lot of pros and cons to that. And so think about it. 
This goes back to your diet, too. Is your diet decent or are you living off Red Bulls? Is your diet healthy enough and are you exercising enough? That's a huge thing that can drive people in depression or even that slump. In fact, I was looking at this geeky article that talked about it. This is something I didn't know about exercise. And this is from the JAMA Journal of Psychiatry. JAMA stands for Journal of American Medical Association. They looked at a variety of different studies on exercise and what it did for us. And one particular exercise has better effect on getting out of a slump or a depression than others. And it was weightlifting. And they still said you need to do your cardio. It's good for making your bones stronger. And, and we all know the benefits of exercise. We get that. They saw that lifting weights was the one that made the biggest difference in getting people on track. So think about it. Exercise, weight training. And they couldn't really pinpoint, okay, which strength training program. But they just said lifting weights at least a couple times a week. 8 to 12 reps with at least 10 different strength building exercises each time. That was the key. That was the ticket. That could be part of the challenge. Another one that could work for you or your team is your personal development program. Yes. Book of the month for your team, audio of the month. Now, I've talked a lot about personal development over the podcast, and you know that I always like to quote the Harvard study that those who are learning and growing every day, they're more enthusiastic about life. They're more excited about where they're going, what they're going to accomplish. But those who aren't learning and growing every day become very negative, pessimistic, and doubtful. So to learn, to grow, it's invigorating to read the books, to listen to the audiobooks, to listen to the podcast gets them back on track. It does something to your psyche. It seems like it gives you more hope. You have more tools. You stay on track. I mean, too many people go out there and are like, oh, I'll figure it out on my own, which I'm sure you're smart enough to do that. But why would you take two years to learn something when you can do it in two weeks? Because every challenge, obstacle you face in life, whether it be in business or your personal life, someone's already faced it, overcome it, written a book about it or an audio, or there's a podcast on it. There are ways to learn. Most CEOs read over six books a month. There's a reason for that. To stay on track, it's invigorating. Plus, you're learning some great tools. And contrary to popular belief, what you don't know will hurt you. And I've been told that most homes worth over a million dollars have a library. And with the world knowledge base doubling every six years, we got to stay on track and learn, grow. Don't listen to the music. Don't listen to the talk show. There's a time and place for those. There is. Remember giving a seminar and talking about, don't listen to the radio, not listen to the radio. And I had someone that owned a couple radio stations. So that didn't go over very well. But anyway, something to think about. Time and a place. Personal development is something, especially for your team. Bring in a trainer. Assign them a coach. Give them a book, an audio, podcast, talk about it, whatever you need to do. Personal development's huge for you and your team. Another one to take a look at, especially for you yourself, I mean, this is hard to kind of gauge for your team, are thoughts. Thoughts are critical things that can put people into a slump or a downward spiral into depression because thoughts control emotions, is what we're talking about here, that lack of motivation, that slump, that depression. Thoughts control emotions and emotions control actions. And so being more aware of our thoughts Thoughts can be a factor. Not to the point where you shouldn't think that way because everybody's going to have negative thoughts. We know that people have negative thoughts. But here's the difference between success and failure. Failures, negative thought. Ooh, that could happen. It might happen. It probably will happen. That little seed, that little doubt is turned into a tree of fear. Okay? 
versus a successful person will have the exact same negative thought, but they'll redirect it. They'll think of something else. They will do whatever they need to do to get their brain back on track because thoughts are real. Thoughts control emotions. Emotions control actions. And all that comes from your thoughts. As I train professional presenters, you know, CEOs, politicians, not going to name names, to be better presenters, more persuasive, that's one of the first things we have to work with is thoughts. Thoughts are real. And most people before a presentation, what's going through their brain? Oh, what if I forget? What if I don't remember? What if I'm boring? What if they walk out? What if they have a question and I can't answer it? What if I get nervous? What if I lose bladder control? (laughs) Whatever it is, those thoughts are all triggering those negative emotions and it's going to come across the actions every time. It's a challenge you have to work with. You think of a professional athlete that gets on the field, a professional football quarterback, they're not thinking, Oh, what if we lose? What if I get hurt? What if I throw interceptions? What if the fans boo at me? Thoughts control emotions. Emotions control actions. So professional athletes, no, they're thinking about the win. They're seeing the completion of the pass. They're seeing the cheering of the fans. And those trigger the right thoughts. So being a great persuader or anything is the same as being professional in sports. you got to take a look at those thoughts. And I love Dr. Cuddy's research. We talked about this a while back. And you can look that up at our archives. We have all the podcast archives at influenceuniversity.com. So you can always take a look at those. Dr. Cuddy did research and found that the opposite was true, that actions control emotions and emotions control thoughts. So if you're walking in slumped over, you're slumped in your chair, that triggers not the right type of emotions you need, and that triggers the wrong type of thoughts. And she gets into power poses. You know the Wonder Woman where you put your hands on your hips? or that put your hands in the air like you just won a race or victory, can actually release chemicals in your body that change your emotions and change your thoughts. And so you probably don't want to do power poses when people are watching, but just thinking something to consider for you or people on your team that are getting into that slump. Next one I would take a look at is, are they stuck on worry? Are you stuck on worry? See, worry is negative goal setting. It puts you in a downward spiral. It takes away your energy and motivation, and people worry when their vision's not strong enough. Did you catch that? When your vision is weak, you can't see yourself doing it, and you get stuck on worry. When you have a great vision, you can see yourself doing it, you don't tend to worry. So maybe you need to rebuild that vision board or create that vision in your mind that you can see, taste, touch, and feel that becomes real can be one that makes a big difference. So if you look at your team, do they have a vision of the future? Are they excited for the future? Do they have that vision or are they stuck on worry? So is their vision making quota? They're excited about it? They know they could do it? Are they worried about making the quota? That can make a big difference with getting into or out of a slump. So think about it, especially with your own self-persuasion. If you're stuck on worry, it's because your vision's not strong enough. You can't see yourself doing it. And I was doing research for laws of charisma. That's one thing I noticed with charismatic leaders is they could create a vision. People could see the vision. They could see themselves doing that vision. That made a big difference in their ability to influence. Then the one you probably expect me to talk about, uh, attitude. <laughs> Attitude's an interesting one. And I learned early on from my early mentors, Brian Tracy, that attitude comes from expectations. See, most people are chameleons going throughout the day, absorbing the attitudes of others or wait until someone cuts them off in the car to decide what their attitude is going to be that day. 
But you can decide ahead of time what your attitude is going to be by managing your expectations. Do you expect to have a great day? Expect things to happen? Expect to be successful? Or, just as we talked about thoughts, do you expect all the negative things to happen? What you expect with confidence tends to happen, and that's part of your attitude. Such a simple thing, but just being aware of your attitude and striving to be more optimistic can make you more influential. And that's what I also made it into laws of charisma is optimism. Influential, visionary leaders are optimistic. They're not that pessimist that sucks the life out of people. You know what I'm talking about. That Aunt Edna we've talked about before that comes over at a family gathering, sits next to you and sucks all the life out of you. <laughs> You're not even talking to her. She can suck the life right out of you. But attitude and optimism make a big difference. And yes, optimism can be learned. There's actually a great book out there by Dr. Martin Seligman called Learned Optimism. And optimists live longer, make more money, have better relationships. And I'm not talking about so optimistic that people want to hit you. You have to be realistic that you're looking around corners and things could go wrong. But you know, for the most part, eventually things are going to work out. And that's important. Attitude and optimism. And that could be coming from the manager or the leader. If they don't have a good vision, if they don't have a good attitude, if they're not optimistic, that could trickle down into the team. So not saying, George, that you have a bad attitude or you're pessimistic, but something to think about. Uh, maybe the people above you or, or maybe you need to work on that a little bit. Just uh, putting it out there. We've never met, so I don't know. Now, one thing I've noticed about slumps in my life, I've had them too, or Running a team is sometimes it comes when people feel overwhelmed. And I know this has happened to you. You feel overwhelmed, your brain just shuts down. An overwhelmed brain says no, is not motivated. There's just too much there. Where do you start? This happens to me. I go to Asia for a week or two, doing training, come home, and I've got a long list of things for my publisher, my own business, my kids, my wife. I mean, I just my list is so long now. Then I take a nap. <laughs> okay, you've probably done that before. So if you see that in people's eyes, and that's a challenge. As a manager, it might make perfect sense to you. You do it all the time, but to maybe new people or when you give them additional tasks to do, they might be overwhelmed. You might want to break it down to smaller, manageable, bite-sized pieces. Make it smaller victories. That's always a great way to do that. So it's not this one big thing that we need to do this year. Maybe it's a monthly thing. Maybe it's a weekly thing. Smaller pieces, manageable bite-sized pieces is what you're looking for because when someone gets overwhelmed, whether it be your prospect, your teammate, or whoever it is, got to break it down into smaller, smaller pieces. Another one I'd probably add to the list too is support. People around you, checking in, see how people are doing, keep people on track. Maybe a seasoned person with a rookie to walk them through things, help them see around corners to support someone to... Someone maybe to hold them accountable, answer that questions, that could always be helpful. To have that person to get them back on track, it's always good to have a little support. And then we always have to have on the list as goals. Maybe you're getting a little tense, you're cringing a little bit. Goals? Goals create the slump. Well, that's true. Goals could create the slump, but think about goals for a second here. Think about the happiest time in your life. You are pursuing a worthwhile, exciting goal. And as humans, we need goals, realistic goals we believe that we've bought into. Did you catch that? So if you're assigning goals to somebody and they feel like it's your goals, not their goals, it's going to have the opposite effect. If they haven't bought into it, don't know why, don't believe they can do it, 
it will suck the life out of it and won't work and cause a slump. But a good, realistic goal that has a why to it, that people believe in, they can see themselves doing it, can be very powerful. When a team rallies around a goal, can really get people out of a slump. But again, be careful with goals. Just because you give them a goal doesn't mean it's going to motivate them or excite them. Most people do it the wrong way and it has the opposite effect. But good goals, learning how to set goals, again, that are realistic, that they've bought into, that they believe, and they can see themselves doing it, that's a powerful way to get people out of a slump. Another thing I look at, too, is personal motivation. Everyone's motivated a little bit differently, and sometimes managers try to motivate people how they like to be motivated, and that's not always right. And people are motivated in different ways by different things all the time. It's not always the same raw, raw motivation. And in fact, we've spent time on this before, talking about the rudimentary level of motivation is either inspiration or desperation. And you have to tap into that. Now, desperation could cause a slump because it's very short-term. It's very temporary. They're doing it because they have to. They're full of fear, anxiety. They're just maybe doing it out of duty because they have to. Maybe something's happening at home and they're just coming to work. They really don't want to be there out of desperation. They're making the calls desperation. They're not seeing that. So if you could somehow convert them from desperation to inspiration, to have hope, to have the vision, to tap into their passion, to find things that they love to do or people that they can work for that they respect, having a cause or reason can get people into inspiration. And people aren't going to be an inspiration all the time. But usually the slump is caused out of desperation. There's something there. So if you can kind of move them from desperation to inspiration, that could also erode the slump away. For example, if you're coming to work because you have to pay the bills and the bills keep coming, that's motivating. But after a while, it could drive people into a slump versus moving to the inspiration as far as being the best in your field, taking your spouse on that great vacation next year, early retirement, starting a charity, or even just giving money to a charity. Those type of things tend to inspire and drive people better, and that's a better form of motivation. So, George, let me know if that helps. Those are some things that work. I've used them personally. I've used them on teams. I know they work, and you don't want to do all of the above all at once. Maybe pick and choose a couple at a time, maybe one a week, slowly work on some things, maybe find out exactly what it is for you or your team to get out of that slump. And listeners, don't beat yourself up. We all get in slumps every once in a while, and it happens. Just make sure it doesn't last very long and make sure you have tools in place to get out of it. It's part of who we are. It's part of being humans. We get into slumps. We get a little depressed. We have a little anxiety. It happens every once in a while. And sometimes we even get a little pessimistic. It happens, but the key is, is being aware I'm in a slump, being aware I'm getting a little depressed, being aware, man, I'm getting a little pessimistic in my old age, which I think we all do a little bit. But anyway, that's probably another podcast. Just being aware of those things, then you can work on them, you can adjust them. Because I know with charismatic, influential people, they want people that bring them up, that are full of energy, that have good attitudes. It's very difficult to persuade someone when you're sucking the life out of them and you're being really pessimistic and you have no hope for the future. That's rough. That's tough on everybody involved. And it happens to everyone. That's okay. It's just being aware and taking care of it. So, George, let me know what you think and how you applied it with your team. Appreciate your email and your support. Thanks for listening. 
And that's our podcast today for Maximize Your Influence. If self-persuasion is an issue and something that you're working on, go to lawsofpersuasion.com and look up millionaire psychology. It talks about success principles. Because to be a millionaire or any form of success, however you measure success, it's pretty simple. You start thinking, acting, and doing what other successful people, what other millionaires are doing. That was a lot of fun to research the world of self-persuasion. That is available on audio at lawsofpersuasion.com. That's my plug for today. And again, appreciate you being here. As always, master these skills, become more influential, go out and change the world, and persuade with power. 